is going on, everybody? This is the official last day of summer as we go into fall, starting to feel more and more like the NFL football season after the first two weeks are in the books. We are getting ready and looking towards a wonderful looking week three slate. As always, this is the All in Man Cave podcast. I am your host, Cole Haight. Here to talk on our Wednesday episode of Injuries and Fantasy Football. Like last week when we started uh, the actual periodic episodes, we're also going to have a a segment of uppers and downers. Some of the teams I like on the way up and some of the teams I do not like on the way down. But really hoping that you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. If you can, leave a review. Please uh, leave a question in there if you would like me to address any questions about the NFL, anything on your mind. Also, leave what your favorite football team is and when you became a fan. Haven't got a lot of reviews lately uh, since I started the podcast, so if you guys could leave a review, I would really appreciate it. Also, five stars if you feel inclined to do so. But we had a lot of injuries in week two. Uh, We're going to go over those injuries in the first segment today. Uh, So let's get going. Let's get right into it. And let's talk about some of the injuries that happened in week two of the NFL football season. All right, number one on the list, two Philadelphia Eagles, one on each side of the football. Brandon Grand torn Achilles. He's out for the season. Brandon Graham is a huge monster on that defensive front seven for the Philadelphia Eagles. They only gave up 23 points in the first two weeks, so their defense was pretty much keeping them in the game, uh, especially last Sunday playing against the San Francisco 49ers. They kept their offense pretty much in check. Debo Samuel, the only person that was able to find any open room on that Philadelphia defense, and they're going into week three with a huge game against the Dallas Cowboys, so So I don't think that the Philadelphia Eagles are built to come from behind in terms of that offense and the way they looked in week two didn't look too promising. Uh, They did have a lot of big hit plays on offense, but their defense is going to keep them in games. And I'm not sure that without Brandon Graham being that monster presence uh, coming in as not in terms of only sacks, but also against the run. I'm not so sure that Philadelphia can can get this done. Uh, We'll see. Uh, but I'm, it's not looking promising. And then to flip on the flip side, on the offensive line, Brandon Brooks, very high draft pick for them. He was very good. Uh, he's got a torn, what they think is a torn pec. Uh, it's not It's not clear yet whether it's torn or not, but they did place him on IR, so he will miss at least three weeks. And if not longer than that, the IR this year is only three weeks, whereas in the past it was longer, uh, probably due to COVID and or just different changes to the rules but uh Brandon Brooks will be on IR now there the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is very underrated and a lot of people don't don't get how good they really are now the run their run game has been in subpar pretty actually I would I wouldn't even say subpar I would say more average to begin the season uh they do have Miles Sanders and they do have the draft pick their rookie Kenneth Gainwell their gadget guy that's been doing some some very nice stuff for them in the backfield uh, as a gadget guy so we'll see if they're able to do anything against the very piss poor Dallas Cowboys defense which actually outperformed anything that I would have expected last week in their win versus the Chargers but Brandon Brooks not being there and Brandon Graham not being there those are two solid pillars on that team that were going to help them in that game so two big hits to, to the Philadelphia Eagles but we'll see if they can get it done 
All right, moving on. Jarvis Landry, uh, big hit wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. He has a sprained MCL. Original, original. Sorry, I guess I guess you could say originally they came out and said he was week to week, uh, but they just placed him on IR. I'm recording this on Wednesday about 1:15 p.m. They placed him on IR late last night. Um, I believe I was I was watching TV with my girlfriend and I saw that they updated him to the IR, so he will miss at least three weeks with that sprained MCL. The thing is, knee injuries, especially at the wide wide receiver position, the soft tissue things are going to be a problem, and knee things are going to be a problem as well. They're always cutting. Now, the, the, the way that this actually makes it worse is that Odell Beckham could not come back from this ACL either, and he's having knee issues as well. So now we're getting kind of down into the depth chart for Cleveland. Now, the way Cleveland is set up, it's not very – it's not as big as an impact as it would be for a team that mainly throws the ball, like the Kansas City Chiefs losing Tyreek or Travis Kelsey. However, their offense is based upon the fact that they can run and then go off the play-action pass. So Jarvis not being in there, veteran presence, they're going to feel it, but it's not going to be as big of an impact as it would be for another team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Sticking with the Cleveland Browns, we got Baker Mayfield uh, literally came out of the game and there's audible of him uh, being wired for sound saying that his shoulder popped and he popped it back in a little bit weird to to actually admit and and he's not even on the injury report, which is kind of the weirder thing. Um, cause he came out and literally said that in an interview and on the sideline, uh, via his lips, but uh, shoulder pop is there's no, there's no injury report on him. We're just going off of what he said. Uh, so it just says shoulder injury, but, uh, there's no structural damage in the MRI. So all things look good for Baker Mayfield, uh, to come back in. Now, if he's feeling sore from that, it is not his throwing shoulder. It is actually his non-throwing shoulder, so that helps him a little bit to play in the game. If I would give some sort of status for him based on the fact that I haven't heard anything via social media, I haven't seen anything via the NFL or Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, I would say that he's probably probable uh, and not questionable to play this week uh, against the Bears. So let's keep that in mind, but... If Baker's going to miss time, they're going to be in a huge they're going to be in huge problems, especially without Jarvis there at all either. Uh, if they have to bring in a rookie or uh, maybe like a veteran journeyman that's not going to really perform the way Baker would. All right, moving on. Bradley Chubb, he didn't play in Week One. Uh, he came in in Week Two, re-injured the same ankle that kept him out in Week One. They're thinking it's a high ankle sprain and then if it if it isn't a high ankle sprain he's going to be out four to six weeks typically the way the high ankle sprain works is if it's just a regular ankle sprain or a lower ankle sprain you would say you could play the next week it's not as as painful as it is to try and cut on a high ankle sprain that's just the way it's always been in the NFL when I've seen either Vikings players or any other big name players be out with a high ankle sprain I really didn't know the difference um, until somebody who was relatively familiar with that injury explained it to me but 
the high ankle sprain is a lot more painful and it takes a lot longer to rehab. So if if Bradley Chubb's going to miss time, the Denver Broncos defense is going to take a hit. Now, they did look good in week one without him. However, they were playing the Giants, who look absolutely terrible, maybe a bottom three team right now in the NFL. So we got to keep an eye and see if Bradley Chubb's going to be in. They have not given a timetable, which means I do not think that they know if it's a high ankle sprain yet. That's what I'm assuming. If he was missing time coming into the season and also now had to be pulled from the game and not return. So we'll keep an eye on Bradley Chubb moving forward as well. Next on the list, the first, the sorry, the second quarterback, Tua Tonga Vailoa for the Miami Dolphins. They absolutely got they got crushed on Sunday by the Bills, and the Bills looked the Bills looked terrible, and they won by thirty five points. Uh, and then the thing that I have with this is so let's just all right. So Tua's got bruised ribs. He's questionable now. The fact that they're bruised ribs and it's not rib cartilage, completely two different injuries. As we'll talk about a different player later, but. The bruised ribs you can come back from because of the pain tolerance similar to the ankle injury we just went over with Bradley Chubb. But if he's able to come back, that's good. However, his replacement, Jacoby Prissett, did not look good, and it looked like the team gave up a little bit considering they gave up all these points and could not score a single point the whole game. I did not expect that at all, which is why I took the over in that game. I thought Tua was going to be able to manage through, but even with him out, I thought they would be able to get anything going, and they could not. So... Very interesting, but we'll keep an eye. There's a lot of quarterbacks that were knocked out of these games early with very little information via right now at one one fifteen ish on Wednesday, whether or not they're going to be available for this week or not. Next on the list, Dalvin Cook, angle sprain. He's questionable for next week. Now, uh, everything about the Vikings tells me that we're not going to hear anything about Dalvin Cook until Saturday. Uh, but he's not on an injury report that I can see right now. He left with the ankle sprain. J.J. Watt rolled up on him from behind. It's not a big deal. If it was, Mike Zimmer would be going nuts via any type of press conference right now. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Dalvin Cook. He came back in the game and actually had a lot of relatively good ro- runs with good cuts. So his pain tolerance is relatively high as it is. Uh, seeing as though I believe he played a little bit with an ACL until they knew that it was an ACL uh, a few years ago. I think it was his rookie season or the year after, maybe his sophomore season. But I wouldn't be too worried about Dalvin Cook, especially in fantasy. He should be good. But you guys definitely, if you have him, need to keep an eye on that injury report to see if he pops up on it. Because if he pops up on the injury report, that would be a red flag for sure. All right, moving on. T.J. Watt, groin pull. He was held out of this game. He, like you guys know, or if you don't know, just got that big extension, that $120 million extension, uh, the DN for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he's questionable this week with the groin pull. They, cold, they hold, held him out. Uh, typically, groin pulls are a little bit weird. It's also a soft tissue injury that tends to linger. So if that's going to linger, he may or may not be 100% for this game. If you were to ask me without me knowing any information, I would say he's definitely not going to be 100% if he plays, if that means anything for you guys in terms of fantasy or if you guys are generally just Pittsburgh Steelers fans. The groin is a very weird injury in the NFL where you could look or appear as if you're fine, yet you're constrained by the, the that pain tolerance once again, um, depending on how bad the pull is, what kind of moves you make as a defensive end like he is. It could be it could go either way. 
quite frankly, I think that they should. They just paid him all this money. Just let him rehab it so that he can come back. It's it's not. It shouldn't be a big deal. It, it just let him rehab this because their defense has played well through the first two weeks. They did give up a decent amount of yards to the Raiders. They played well in week one against the Bills. So I think that the defense will be okay without him for a week or two. Now, if it begins to linger towards a month, then we might have issues. But you just got to see what TJ Watt can offer him in practice, whether that be 70%, 80%, or whatever that coach's threshold is for him to be actually a quality starter rather than just throwing him out there and he can't even really move. All right, moving on. I didn't even hear about this. Most of these I heard about on Sunday when they happened. This one kind of came out after, which was a little bit odd. Um, Amari Cooper, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, is bruised ribs as well. He's also questionable. Uh, We just went over Tua with the whole rib injury. He's a wide receiver, not a quarterback, so it's a little different. However, like I've said four times already through the first few of these injuries, it's all based on pain tolerance. So Amari Cooper does not need his ribs to play football. However, if it's going to be painful enough to alter the way he plays it, it's going to be a problem. So we just got to keep an eye on that. Amari Cooper not being in that offense against the Philadelphia Eagles this week is going to be a huge deal, especially considering Michael Gallup, I believe, was put on IR in week one. So then they'll be only down to CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson, and if there's any other wide receivers on that team, I don't know who they are. Next, Andy Dalton, another quarterback on this list. Bone bruise in the knee. So... Bone bruises are a little bit weird, especially for quarterbacks. It's his plant leg. So typically, I look this up. They gave no timetable uh, when me for anything that I've seen via any uh, article that's came out. But a typical bone bruise is usually one to four weeks. Now they did say he has a possibility of playing this week. So if I had to label Andy Dalton, I would say doubtful. However. I think that Andy Dalton's going to try and play in this game because I know that his starting job, or I know that he thinks that his starting job is at risk, which it should be, uh, because I was one of those people that believe Justin Fields should have started since week one, and there should have been three rookies starting week one. But if he comes back, there's going to be clear limitations. And if he does play in this game, even if he's doubtful, everybody knows where he's injured. And if the Bears come out against the very good defensive line Cleveland Browns this week, you know Miles Garrett's going for that knee. And I don't think that I don't think that anyone in the Chicago Bears organization right now is gonna think nobody's gonna go after the knee that is a huge bruise on it that they could just re injure him instantaneously by just tackling him in like a normal person. So uh, the Bears have a huge decision to make, but I think they should just go with Fields this week and have Andy Dalton sit out. Even if they want to roll with Dalton when he's healthy, I still think it's a better idea not to put him out there because it puts him in more harm's way. Moving on, Daryl Henderson. Now, this is where I said I was going to bring this up earlier. Um, Not bruised ribs, but rib cartilage. So this is more of a pull in the ribs and less of an issue of it being a pain tolerance and more of like a rehab type deal, whereas the rib cartilage is going to require him to miss this week, um, possibly more weeks. Uh, They have him listed as doubtful, but anything else that I've read via my due diligence says that there's no possible way that he starts this week, and especially where they split carries last week with Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle is just going to embrace that starting role, and the Rams are just going to sit him. 
I don't think there's going to be it's going to make a huge difference because they play Tampa Bay this week anyway, who has a really good run defense. Uh, however, their defense in general, Tampa Bay's for the first two weeks hasn't been that impressive, especially relating to the way they played last year, especially in the playoffs. But I doubt that Daryl Henderson starts this week. So that's a fantasy tip for you guys right now. And it's not even the fantasy football segment. So there you go. Moving on, Carson Wentz. Not only one sprained ankle, but two sprained ankles. So I'm looking at this, and they list him as doubtful with two sprained ankles. Uh, the MRI, I think he was supposed to have, they didn't release the results of it yet, but if he has two high ankle sprains or even one high ankle sprain, there is no possible way that he plays this week. There's not a single possible way that he plays this week, and that's a huge problem, not only for not only for Carson Wentz, but for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles need him to play 75% of the snaps to get a first-round pick. If you're an Eagles fan, that is definitely not happening. You should have known that when you saw him get hurt before the season even started. And the fact that he's over there hobbling around like Carson Wentz typically does, the Colts cannot play him. And Jacob Eason came in and looked awful. So the Colts are... There was multiple, multiple segments on podcasts before the season started about the first eight weeks for the Colts, and it was going to be a huge issue without Carson Wentz in there. Let me tell you, it's a, going to be. It was going to be a huge issue with him in there because their first eight weeks are the hardest and is the hardest schedule in the league right now for the first eight weeks. That eases up at the end, which is better for them. Similar to the Vikings schedule, whereas week two, where we just played the Cardinals, through week four, those three games are extremely hard, and two of them on the road. It's hard for Frank Reich right now, and honestly, if I'm the Colts GM watching this happen, I don't even want to invest any more time or money into Carson Wentz. Just let him go and let another team deal with him because you have a great coach, a great defense, and offensive weapons that are currently hurt, and Carson Wentz just seems to be a distraction you don't need on your team, and he's not playing well enough to earn the money he's getting or an extension if they even were to get to a point where they would talk about one. So I, it'll come out in the next few days. Keep your eyes peeled on the injury reports. But if the, if there's if both of these ankle sprains are even one of them is a high ankle sprain, Carson Wentz is going to miss some time, and he's going to miss some time until at least week five, probably closer to week six or week seven. Next on the list, all three San Francisco. 49ers running back, similar to the way the Baltimore Ravens got hit by the injury bug. These injuries aren't as serious. However, they're all an issue because the Ravens went out and signed every good running back that was available via free agency or via free agent at all. So Trey Sermon, Jamichael Hasty, and Elijah Mitchell all hurt in this game. Trey Sermon with a concussion. He's got a clear protocol, which does not look promising. Then you've got Jermichael Hasty with a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss four weeks, four to six weeks. Uh, they're trying to get him back sooner, but they're not. There's no guarantees. Like I mentioned with the high ankle sprain, it's it's all about how you rehab and how your pain tolerance is. It could be four, it could be six, it could be eight, or you could be a Superman and come back in three. Who knows? But we'll keep an eye on him. And then Elijah Mitchell, who was the number one pickup in fantasy this week after his amazing Week One performance. He has a shoulder sprain, and he's doubtful for this week. So the only running back I think they have on the roster right now is Trendon, Trendon Cannon. Or Trent Cannon, I've never even heard of this guy. Um, I've, I've seen him on different practice squads and through my years of him being in the league and me seeing some stuff on the internet, but 
I don't think he's the answer. And he was just put on the team, I think, three days before the game and activated. So I don't know what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do at running back, but they better figure it out because it's kind of amazing that this happened to two different teams where they lost three. Well, if you include Reem Mostert, they lost all four of their running backs in the first two weeks of the season, which is insane. I don't think I've ever seen a whole division lose six running backs. Better yet, two teams in two different divisions. And the last quarterback on the list, Tyrod Taylor, the man, the myth, the legend. I've always been a Tyrod Taylor fan. Now, you could say that Tyrod's not that good. Well, the reason why Tyrod's not that good is I think he's the only human being on this planet that has worse luck than me. If you guys remember last season, he was the starting quarterback for the Chargers before a doctor punctured his lung. And then Justin Herbert came in and played amazing. He lost that job. He lost the job at the Bills uh, because of some freak injury that he then got replaced by another quarterback, which was before he even made it there. He got replaced at the Browns as well when he was quarterback for the Browns. Uh, by I believe Baker Mayfield. So and now he's making this Houston Texans team look a lot better than everybody thought. And guess what? He gets injured again. So Tyrod's got a hamstring issue. It was on the running back, or sorry, running back. It was on the rushing touchdown that he got uh, against the Browns this week. Uh, they put him on IR. They said he's going to be out about a month. The IR is three weeks long. He needs to be out for at least. So you're looking at that month target being pretty much on point. Davis Mills is not that good. They got dinged up at at, uh, wide receiver as well in that game with Nico Collins and Danny Amendola both having injuries. All they have left is Brandon Cooks and uh, the hodgepodge of running backs that they have. So I still think they're going to be able to put points on the board this week. Uh, I don't think Houston just automatically tanks, but I don't like the, the way Davis Mills operates in the pocket. I think he throws way too many incompletions. And I just don't see anything positive coming out of that team, even though Tyrod Taylor did give them more positivity than I thought was even possible. Um, but Tyrod's going to miss at least a month. And Deshaun, ja- uh, Deshaun Jackson and Deshaun Watson will not be even activated for this game. Um, David Culley came out, their head coach and the GM as well, saying that there is no possible way Deshaun Watson will play. There's no way they could play him anyway after everything that happened through the offseason. Especially why would they when they could possibly get a trade and then he gets hurt when they start him in a meaningless game for a meaningless team. Makes literally no sense. All of his value tanks and all the risk goes up with no return. Yeah, there's no way Deshaun Watson comes in this game at all for the rest of his tenure as a Houston Texan. There's no way. Those are the injuries to keep out. Uh, to keep a lookout for, check the injury reports for your personal team or on NFL.com to see what the updates are, whether you guys are fans of these teams or if you have them in fantasy. Uh, none of these are really huge fantasy hits. The biggest one, probably Dalvin Cook and Amari Cooper. Um, but just keep an eye on it to see um, so you guys can get the latest updates after this current recording of this podcast. All right, moving on. Got to give myself kudos. I'm giving myself a pat on the back currently that you guys can't see. All of the pump the brakes people for my fantasy football week one slumpers that had bad weeks in the first week, but then I told you would pick it up. All of them did amazing this week. So if you guys don't remember, Dalvin Cook, 16.8 this week without a touchdown. Pretty impressive. 
Uh, Aaron Jones, 41 and a half against the Lions on Monday Night Football with three touchdowns. Pretty impressive. Derrick Henry, who had 17 carries for 58 yards in week one, had 35 carries for 182 and six catches for 55 yards with three touchdowns. Uh, highest scoring running back this week with 47.7 points on Sleeper. Uh, I use Sleeper for mine. If anybody else uses a different point system, depends. It might be different depending on what league you're in. But Derrick Henry was the number one performing running back for sure, with Aaron Jones as a close second. Devontae Adams, great game, even without catching a touchdown pass. Eight catches for 121. Aaron Rodgers had a way better week this week against a piss poor defensive Lions. Defensive Lions. Detroit Lions. Uh, team uh, that did not show up in the second half, unfortunately for me, uh, because I bet the over 17, which they were up 17 to 14 at halftime, and I bet over 17 and a half when the game started, and they did not score a single point in the second half um, on a bit of a cold streak for my own personal bets, which probably not the best thing to tell you guys, but uh, everybody has some bad luck every once in a while, and mine has been like the past two weeks. So let's hope that we I can turn it around and get you guys some wins and get all of us some money. Next, Julio Jones, piss poor week one, and especially in terms of fantasy. Uh, came out hot in this game with a bad call that should have been a touchdown. 18.8 uh, points, six catches, 128. Uh, without a TD, pretty good. And Najee Harris, statistics would not show that he had a pretty decent game. However, the touchdown did give him a lot more than than he had even close to last week. 19.10 evenly split uh, with a receiving touchdown in there as well. So uh, pump the brakes from week one. I knew that there was going to be some week one slumpers that I was going to uh, bring you guys up to speed and call out. Uh, most of these were pretty obvious if you guys were avid f fantasy football fans. Uh, not a pump the break segment for, for this show, uh, for this week, going into week three. But I do have some likes and some dislikes, uh, especially with the opponents and the quarterbacks this week. So let's start with the likes in fantasy this week. Kyler Murray versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't even know why I have to talk about this. Kyler Murray's putting up MVP-like statistics for the first two weeks. We played pretty decent against him in fantasy, and he still put up 400 yards and four total TDs. Uh, we did pick him off twice, The we being the Minnesota Vikings. However, still putting up those statistics. He's going to be great this week, especially against Jacksonville. Uh, their defense is bad against the run, bad against the pass. They're pretty much bad against everything. So... Kyler Murray, definitely a start for this week, which I don't see why anybody wouldn't start him, but that's 100% a start for this week. Uh, Kyle Pitts versus the New York Giants. Kyle Pitts, uh, four catches for 30 yards in week one. Week two had a lot more success with five for 73. He was their leading receiver for Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan's been spreading the ball around for the past two years as, his, uh, as father of time has kind of captured him as a whole. So... I like Kyle Pitts this week against the Giants. They gave up a lot of chunk plays uh, to Logan Thomas and Noah Fant in the first two weeks. And I feel like the Giants' defense is, was a little inflated via their ranking before the season started. I don't think they have what it takes. And I think 100% that Kyle Pitts is going to score a touchdown in this game. So if you want to make a bet or if you're going to start him in fantasy, I'm almost guaranteeing Kyle Pitts to score a touchdown in this game. All right, next, Keenan Allen. Versus Kansas City. You saw Kansas City football at its peak. 
Um, when they won the Super Bowl, they were able to overcome their defensive woes, so to speak. I don't like Steve Spagnolo as mu- Steve Spagnola as much as a lot of other people, uh, especially Kansas City Chief fans uh, that I either know or don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the way he coaches defense. Kansas City's defense the first two weeks has looked terrible, worse than than it's been the last few years. One of my best friends being a Chiefs fan, I see a lot of games. Chris Jones going to the outside I knew was going to be an issue. I called that out in one of my podcasts before the season started. Once you take him away from the inside and put him outside, the minute that they double-team him and shut him down out there where he's not used to playing is going to be a problem, and then you're going to lose that presence in the middle of the defensive line, which is exactly what happened against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football, which is why they lost to begin with. So I don't like the Chiefs' defense. The only person on that defense I like right now is – Tyron Matthew, who seems to play well no matter how bad his defense is. I love the Honey Badger. I like Chris Jones as well, just not where he's playing right now. So Keenan Allen, definitely a start with over 100 yards in his first two games. All right, George Kittle against the Green Bay Packers. Listen, they gave up decent amounts of chunk yardage to TJ Hawkinson. You know who's better than TJ Hawkinson? George Kittle. So George Kittle's going to have a day against the Packers' defense. I love George Kittle, and there's no reason why nobody would start him. He didn't have that good of a week last week against Philly. People might be hesitant to start him because of that. Please do not. I'll actually pump the brakes on that um, and still definitely start him 100% and as your tight end in week three because I believe he will have a huge game against the piss-poor defense. That is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay this week looked decent to, at best against the Detroit Lions, as a side note, their defense played terrible in the first half, and the offense of the Detroit Lions is the reason they lost that game, not because the Green Bay defense made it hard for him. Jared Goff, it started to rain. He couldn't throw the ball anywhere near any of his wide receivers, and they could not run the football either. So that's that's just what happened in that game. So the Green Bay Packers are not impressing me right now. All right, next, Justin Herbert. To go along, you might be able to double dip on this one. If you got Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, start them both. He is going to have a day against Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's not getting pressure on the quarterback. I think Justin Herbert's better than Lamar Jackson at throwing the ball away from the Honey Badger. So I think Justin Herbert has another big day, over 300 yards his first two weeks. So let's keep that in mind, and let's hope for a big – I'm always hoping that the rookies, even the sophomore quarterbacks, it just makes for a better NFL season if these young quarterbacks perform well and don't perform like Zach Wilson last week. But on a side note, but – Uh, Justin Herbert's going to have a big week and hopefully all that to Keenan Allen because I currently own him in fantasy. I do not own Justin Herbert, though, so I wish I could get him in a trade somehow. All right, those are all the likes for this week. Let's go to the dislikes. Two quarterbacks, a few receivers, and that's all I got for dislikes. Let's start with Matt Stafford versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. So Matt Stafford had two decent weeks. Week one better than week two for him. Played a better defense in the Colts. Uh, This past week uh, versus the Bears, who looked really old in week one. Uh, Matt Stafford, good quarterback. Tampa Bay's defense has been playing worse than expected for the first two weeks. I see this as a bounce-back week for them to have a better better week, uh, especially against Matt Stafford, who under pressure doesn't make the best decisions, uh, doesn't make the worst, but doesn't make the best. 
Uh, they are targeting, or I saw a rumor that they are targeting Richard Sherman in free agency right now to bring bring in on that defensive backfield because they are pretty slim for their defensive backs uh, and they're not very they're not performing very well via the first two weeks. So let's see what happens with that. But if they can get Richard Sherman, even if they don't get him, I think they're going to have a good week against Stafford. And Stafford has a stat line similar to a line he used to have for the Detroit Lions and not as a Los Angeles Ram. All right, moving on. Allen Robinson versus the Cleveland Browns. I have no idea who the Bears are going to start in this game. Justin Fields did not look good, and they did not have a connection uh, when he came into the game and for the rest of the game in week two after Andy Dalton got hurt. It doesn't seem like Allen Robinson's ever going to have these deep catches like he used to have uh, in Jacksonville and in the first few weeks of his play for the Chicago Bears as well. Uh, he caught, I think, seven passes for 42 yards or something. It's He looks like he's going to be a dink and dunk guy, and I don't think that's the way Justin Fields is going to operate, who I really think is going to start this game. So to take it into consideration what I believe and how it's going to react, I don't think Allen Robinson has a big day, single-digit day for him, maybe comes upwards of eight points, maybe he catches four for 40, something like that, but it's not going to be something crazy, and I don't think he's worth starting this week. I think you can find value via the waiver wire or if you can make a quick trade uh, before week three. Next on my list, every single Tampa Bay wide receiver or pass catcher that's not Rob Gronkowski. So everybody, I wouldn't start any of them this week. The Rams have played very well against the pass, um, limiting people to everything that's not good until it gets to garbage time. Now, you could make the argument, well, what if you want to play for the garbage time? If I had to pick one, um, Antonio Brown just got placed on the COVID list, so he may or may not be playing in this game. If Antonio Brown is out of this game, I would start Mike Evans because I think that they can perform, and Tom Brady's going to have a better shot when they get in the red zone, and Evans is going to be that target, but it could also be Gronkowski. So I would not start Chris Godwin. You probably cannot start Antonio Brown after his 1-for-17 game. Uh, That would freak me out enough to know that, oh my Lord, what am I doing? Because I started two of them last week with Devontae Smith and Corey Davis, who both shit the bed. It's part in my French. Uh, But I don't think that it's worth starting anyone now. If you forced me and you handcuffed me to a table or a pole and made me pick, I would start Gronk and Mike Evans, but sit everyone else. Uh, That'd be the running backs, the wide receivers, and all the tight ends. If I had to pick two, I would pick those two, but I would stay away uh, if they were on my team, honestly. Even with Mike Evans' big game and Gronk's big game. And lastly, on the dislikes list, Joe Burrow versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers finally figured out that they will no longer win games in shootouts. And I think that the only way that they win games is the defense takes control. Similar to week one, obviously not similar to week two where they got blown, not blown out, but beat pretty decently against the um, Las Vegas Raiders. So listen, I I think their defense is going to play well this week. Joe Burrow looked subpar at best last week against the Bears he threw three interceptions in a row on three consecutive drives so I think Joe Burrow is still a little bit tentative uh, via week one getting sacked five times and via week two getting sacked four times he was hit plenty plenty more times than that so I don't think Joe Burrow's worth starting even if you're double dipping with Jamar Chase 
I don't think Jamar Chase has a, a good a good day, especially against the Pittsburgh secondary. So I think they're going to be blanketing Fitzpatrick over the top. Uh, Jamar's not going to be able to get loose deep, which is all he's really good for, uh, especially the first two weeks of the season. So uh, the, that's my that's my likes and dislikes for fantasy. Uh, if you agree with them, stick them in there. See if it gets you a win because my fantasy team is currently 0-2. Uh, just like my betting record, my fantasy record is still the same. Uh, not very good. All right, so we've reached the uppers and downers segment. So, like I said, teams that I see on the uprise and continuing to rise, and then the downers are the teams I see falling and that I have problems with. We'll give you a little bit of analysis about each one. I'm going to start with the downers this week. Um, Number one, the Indianapolis Colts. This is based off of a few things, injuries being the first one. Uh, they're missing T.Y. Hill and they're missing defensive players out the wazoo. And now that Car- Carson Wentz is the best quarterback on that team. And that's not saying much based on the past year and two weeks of his production. Uh, but the, they just don't look like their team is uh, – it's not healthy enough for them to make any runs. Their defense played well against Stafford last week, even with all the injuries. I don't think they can keep that up. And I don't think that they can continue to rise at that rate. So with that being said, the Colts are on a downturn. Uh, it's a there's very, I mentioned before about them having a very tough first eight weeks. Uh, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility that they start one and seven. So and that's crazy considering that I picked them uh, to finish second in the division at ten and six uh, to start the season. Uh, and only the Tennessee Titans beating them. So I might have the their entire division ass backwards by the time we get to the end of the season. Next on the downers list, the New Orleans Saints. This is Jameis. So it's up to you how you believe and how you want to think this is going to go. Now, is Jameis the week one quarterback or is Jameis the week two quarterback? Because they were both completely opposite. Alvin Kamara was nowhere near this game. Not even close. I think he had 12 touches for 30 yards in this game. That is absolutely insane. I cannot think of the last time Alvin Kamara didn't have at least 12 carries in a game better yet, 12 total touches for 30 yards. He had eight carries for five yards in the whole game. Now, granted, they were down a lot, so he was more targeted in the pass game, but he didn't do much there either. Uh, Jameis did not look good at all. It's almost like he forgot everything that happened in week one and just reverted back to the Tampa Bay Bucks Jameis uh, in week two. So... Honestly, they've been the Saints team has been going through a lot. They're going they're missing Marshawn Lattimore. They're missing he's the big key to that one of the, one of the big keys to their defense. So, if their offense is going to play very sketchily to say the least week to week, I don't think I have any faith that they're going to be able to stay up there. Um and it looks like there's going to be other teams in that division that are going to be challenging the Bucks for that number 1 spot in the Uh, NFC South, so we'll keep an eye on that, but I don't believe much in the Saints, and I think they're on the downturn. Next on the list, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I could have put them on the downers since the offseason based on the fact that they thought they were drafting Trevor Lawrence and all of a sudden they were going to be a playoff team. There's a few uh, radio personalities out there that think the Jaguars are a playoff team. I never thought that they would be a playoff team. Um, However, I did think that they had a potential to put games together uh, and be better than the projection of 3-14 or 2-15. Uh, with the 17-game season, but Trevor Lawrence does not look good. He doesn't look comfortable. The offensive line can't block. 
they're using James. They used James Robinson in the in week two. I uh, have him in fantasy. They didn't use him in week one, and I was confused as to why Carlos Hyde was getting all the the carries. James Robinson didn't have a bad week. He didn't have a good week because they got blown out. But I don't think Urban Meyer is going to figure this out. I just, I just don't. I, I see him quitting. I went over this. I've said this multiple times. He's quit in the past. I see him doing it again. If, say they start 0-7, I don't even think his psyche can handle it. I don't think mentally Urban Meyer can handle losing seven games in a row. And they have a very big potential to do that. So I don't see the Jaguars coming up, and I think the only place they have to go right now is down. Next on the list, the Miami Dolphins. I don't know what Tua Tonga-Vailoa getting injured has to do with the defense, uh, but apparently it has everything to do with the defense uh, because... They just looked awful. Uh, he was out, the. I think it was the first drive. He went one of three for 14 yards. And he got he injured his ribs. And then Jacoby Brissett came in. The whole team looked like they gave up. I thought their defense would at least be able to keep them in that game to the point where they would be able to score some points and not give up 35. Uh, but clearly I was wrong about that. Um, and that gives me cause for concern moving forward. If they're going to do that against the Buffalo Bills when the Bills are going half-cocked, they're not they weren't even they were probably playing less than 50% of their capability in that game and for, for God's sake Devin Singletary had a rushing touchdown and 82 yards rushing the bills haven't been able been able to run the ball for years especially this the beginning of this year and last year for sure everybody knows what's going to happen and they just run to, to keep teams honest they looked awful Will Fuller didn't end up coming back after his one-game suspension. He had a personal matter. Jalen Waddell fumbled. It, the, the running backs couldn't get anything going. The offensive line decided not to block. It was just a disaster for the Miami Dolphins. And something to keep an eye on moving forward, especially if you guys are in pick leagues, to pick the Dolphins, uh, suicide league, anything. I, just, I don't believe I'd, I don't think I can pick the Dolphins until they can prove they can win a game. I think I'm going to pick them to lose until they prove it. And the last team on the downers list, which pretty is obvious as obvious as the Jaguars, is the New York Jets. Uh, I know I shouldn't have drafted a, a wide receiver from the New York Jets in my fantasy league. Corey Davis, two catches for eight yards in this game. Zach Wilson looked like a looked like a, a run pass option quarterback that just learned how to throw the football. To be honest with you, some of these dropbacks look like the the game last year where the Denver Broncos all had COVID. And for some reason, uh, Kendall Hinton started at, at quarterback because he basically had to. That's similar to what this game looked like. Four weirdly bad interceptions that I don't even know where the wide receivers were. It was unbelievable to watch that. And that's the that's the one thing about everyone talking about all these rookie quarterbacks coming into this year is that the biggest bust potential and the biggest risk was Zach Wilson. I never believed that before I watched this game. Like, he plays some really risky football and some really – he could have had seven interceptions in that game easily. He just makes, like, terribly aggressive throws when you don't need to, and I feel like he's unable to check the ball down. So the Jets definitely on a downturn. I don't see them coming out of this good at all. But then again, not 100% is it their fault, their fault because of the fact that they have so many injuries on this team. We don't even know what this team is supposed to actually look like. So keep that into consideration when judging the worst teams in the league and see how many injuries they have on the, on the, on the 53-man roster because it's just, it's just bad. 
The Jets have the probably the most injuries in the league. I don't have that stat in front of me, and don't quote me on that, but I bet you offseason to now, I bet they have the most injuries um, on, the, on their current team. All right, going through the uppers now. People on the rise. The Tampa Bay Bucks obviously won in two awesome games. Their defense is playing less than 50% of their worth, and they're still winning football games by a lot. Uh, Tom Brady turned it on. He's got nine touchdown passes through two games. Uh, there's people out there right now. I'm listening to podcasts of him having over 50 touchdowns this year. That would be incredible as a 40-plus-year-old 40, 40 quarterback. That would be incredible. If he did that, I mean, somebody said closer to 60. I don't see that happening, but this defense is just waiting to kick back in. And when they do, if the, if they get past the Rams this week, I think there's a, there's going to be everybody and their mother talking about this team going undefeated this year. If they can get past the Rams, I, I, I see it happening. I know people start too early and I wouldn't call that too early, but I knew, I know that it's going to be a topic of, of talk. Next on the uppers list, the Denver Broncos. I'm going to get pushed back for this, um, and I probably duly deserved. But um, they played the Giants, and then they just played the Jaguars in the first two weeks. Teddy Bridgewater looks amazing. Their run game looks good. Their defense looks good. You're going to tell me, oh, they played those. They played the Giants and the Jags. That's why. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens because I like their defense even without Bradley Chubb. They have Patrick Sertan playing well. Their defensive backs are top three. Their defensive front is probably top five with Bradley Chubb without maybe top 10, which gives you an average of about a top seven defense. I think the Broncos have everything it takes, and Steady Teddy is not going to be throwing weirdly Drew Locke-like interceptions. I believe in the Broncos this year. I believe in them, and I'm going to keep them on the uppers list until – Either one, they play against a decent team and lose convincingly, or two, Teddy Bridgewater starts to throw weirdly true lock-like passes, and all of a sudden the Broncos' offense looks stagnant. That's the only way, and I haven't seen that yet, so I'm going to stick on the Broncos' bandwagon. Number three on my uppers list, the Panthers. And I make the same argument uh, that people made for the Broncos probably again, but uh, Panthers with a big win against the New Orleans Saints who played bad in this game but are not a bad team and a win against the Jets in week one. I like the way Sam Darnold looks though. Now granted, he may not look that way if defenses are figuring him out and they're better defenses, uh, but the Saints defense is not that bad even without Marshawn Lattimore. And the Jets defense is bad, but they were playing pretty pretty tough in that game I watched a decent amount of it so honestly let's see what happens I believe in Sam Darnold I think they're gonna give Tampa Bay the biggest chance or the best chance um, at challenging them for the for the division I don't think it's a good chance I think Tampa Bay runs away with it and now the Panthers may be able to finish two or three games behind them in the win column but they look good uh, Christian McCaffrey looks amazing for for production and for fantasy football production as well and they're getting a lot out of Robbie Anderson, and they're getting a lot out of DJ Moore, which is good, considering the last few years um, they haven't been as productive as people thought they may be. All right, last on the uppers, the L.A. Rams. So I think the Rams-Bucks game this week is going to be the uh, should be America's game of the week, and if it's not, then I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now that it should be. Um, that's going to be a good game. 
Uh, not sure exactly where it's at. Didn't check the schedule yet. I was going to take, I was planning on doing that tomorrow uh, to get ready for our week three preview podcast, which will come out Friday afternoon slash Friday night. But I didn't, wherever this is, it's going to be a great game. Um, this is where we're going to find out if Matt Stafford is real or not and whether or not any of his first two weeks were a little inflated based on way he played in Detroit versus playing for Sean McVay now. Uh, but I like the way they look. Uh, taking a lot of hits at the running back position with Daryl Henderson recently getting hurt and Cam Akers before that. Uh, but Sony Michelle is a capable running back for them to keep teams honest and run that play action and for Stafford to be able to hit those deep throws. So um, I think the Rams are, are looking up for now. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get off, uh, and that's just something that I noticed week two going through some of the games um, and and seeing some of these bullshit taunting penalties. I don't understand why the NFL, I don't get why they try and suck fun out of games. Um, taunting is not launching with your helmet. Um, I'm all down for rule changes to the NFL, whether it be for safety or a protection of players uh, in terms of medical reasons and stuff like that. I'm all for that. Um, it does make the playing defense a little bit different, and it does make the game a little softer, as some people would say. But we can't have everybody getting CTE, and eventually no one will want to play football anymore. And it's just... I don't understand these taunting penalties. Like, it's part of the game. Um, when you get together with your buddies, whether or your girlfriends or whatever, whoever, wherever, everybody talks shit or, or talks drama or talks whatever. Uh, it's just part of the way people do things nowadays. Uh, you get together with three friends you haven't seen in a while and you just talk a lot of stuff. You guys get in long conversations, might talk shit on this guy, uh, might talk shit on your boss, might do It just happens. Um, and making a good play and yeah, and looking at the guy that you beat and like staring him down does not hinder the image of the NFL, uh, as much as I think people think it does, uh, that are in the NFL. So I do not agree with it at all. Um, and then I heard a lot of things, uh, via social media about how this, uh, this group of people come together and and put stuff in emphasis for the NFL, which is when the rules get change uh, and they're targeting one type of thing for it to change, which leads to more flags getting thrown. And all of these people are not elected, but appointed to this group of people that makes these decisions. Um, in case you haven't noticed, the word elected uh, and the word appointed are two totally different words. Um, and being elected is always better for anything than being appointed um, appointing somebody to a location that they either don't want um, or are too power trippy is very devastational imagine if somebody just randomly appointed somebody president of the united states um, and we didn't vote now this is not a political this is not a political podcast i'm not getting into politics but i'm just giving an, an example if he's not into it, whoever's appointed's not into it, or they're they they're gonna power trip because they have this power to make this change. It's a lot different than if they're elected um, via the people to make this decision, uh, and there's a better chance that they're gonna make better decisions. So most of these people that were appointed to this group are gonna favor with Roger Goodell, which is why most of this stuff happens in the first place. Um, it's just bullshit. 
I just don't, I don't agree with it. Uh, stop. We, we, we eliminated celebrations. Then we brought celebrations back and now we're taking away taunting, which is basically a celebration to begin with. It doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, and I, I just, it just, we don't need any more bullshit. There's enough bullshit in the world right now. Please keep it out of sports. Um, it's been hard through the pandemic. I'm sure for all of you listening out there, anybody who's even not listening, including myself, the pandemic has shaped all of our lives and will continue to shape them uh, until we figure out how to get back to normal in this life, uh, that we live on earth. So I don't think we need any more of this BS kind of ruining what's going on. Um, and I don't think somebody taking one step over a player that made a decent hit, um, is going to cause a huge travesty in the NFL. So I would rather the NFL just stop being so nitpicky about all this bullshit that they're bringing in. Uh, pardon my French for the last few shits that I threw out there. Ha <laughs> Um, but I, I'm just not, I'm just not in agreement over it. it. It's, it's crap. And it's all based on opinion, which when you get stuff that's altering football games based on opinion, we now bring back into the defensive pass interference calls that have been happening for years that we won't address that aren't actually penalties or that are actually penalties, but we'll, we'll penalize these teams 15 yards and change the whole outcome of a game based on the fact that he said, oh yeah, a player said, oh yeah, and stared at another player for making a good play. It just doesn't make any sense. I get people out there that are fighting back on it saying, Oh, well, it's sportsmanship. It's not sportsmanship. It's not good. That's bull. That's bull, and I don't believe you. So you can have your opinion. I can have mine. That's just the way I feel about it. All right, guys, that's the end of this episode of the podcast. Uh, Like I will get ready uh, for our Friday preview for week three. Um, We will, I'll take a look at everything in terms of the games. Well, I'll make my picks via the spread and via over-unders. I think I went, so the first week I went seven for 16 via the spread um, and all my picks. Uh, for the actual games, I'm not recording the total wins for over-unders or not, uh, just the actual spread of the games or the money line bets I made. And then in week two, I got one more win. So I was eight of eight of 16. So I was seven of 16 week one, eight of 16 week two. I'm going to try and get at least above 10 right for you this week. Uh, so please tune in if you're listening to this podcast podcast. Uh, on Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, and take a look at that going into week three. Uh, we're, we're starting to finally feel like football season. Uh, I know I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that it is officially the end of summer in about two hours. Uh, I wish the weather would officially change from summer to fall because uh, I feel like a lot of us are sweating too much out here. So uh, you can always put a hoodie on. You can't take skin off. That's my famous saying uh, from my grandmother. So uh, don't ever forget that. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please leave a review, share my post, my posts on Facebook, uh, word of mouth, share the podcast. Anybody that enjoys the NFL sports podcast, uh, out there, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. Uh, trying to get some music here. Maybe do some, do some cool background music for the, for the pod on some of these, uh, segments that we have weekly and on certain days, uh, trying to mess around with that. So more new stuff to come. I still haven't done anything with the website yet or with an Instagram page. I'm trying to get that going real busy right now, doing a lot of home improvement stuff right now, but I'm trying to make sure that I get these podcasts out for you guys, especially ones that enjoy listening to them and use them to bet. 
um, and just listen to my voice. So I appreciate you liking and listening to my voice. So thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. And like I always say, next, I'll see you next time. Peace.